Hi, and welcome this day. So glad you have chosen to join us. May this time be for you inspiring and uplifting this day. Let us pray together. God, illumine our minds by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the words we hear inspire us in the way that we live. May scripture open us to new possibilities in experiencing your presence. Amen. Have you ever been hurt by what someone else says, or have your words hurt someone else, right? We've all had that experience at some point. Words can be painful on one end, and then they can really make our day and elevate us to new heights. But when we find words are painful, how do we experience God then? How are we experiencing God? Because so often, right, we think about experiencing God when things are beautiful and wonderful and we feel so uplifted. And here, how do we experience God when words are painful? When the things that get said just kind of level us, leave us kind of numb. We don't know which way to go. We don't even know what to say, maybe. Because there are things, right, that leave us speechless because they are so amazing, so wonderful. And then there are things that leave us speechless because they are painful. And so how might we get some guidance today? Well, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians, which was written by the Apostle Paul. We're going to go to the 14th chapter. But before we start into the 14th chapter, it's important to know the chapters, the two before it. Chapter 12 is all about receiving gifts, abilities from God to be able to build one another up, to be able to build up the church, to build up the community. So think about that, that the gifts we've been given, the abilities that we have are meant to actually encourage and build one another up. The other thing is chapter 13, which is all about love. And to think about that, so often we hear that chapter read at weddings because it describes what is love, what is not love, and how love is part of our everyday kind of life. And here with chapter 14, all right, he's built upon this. He has talked about the foundation of our lives as love. And the first gift ability that he's going to talk about is about tongues and prophecy. And we may be like, that sounds really churchy and like something, I don't, I don't know what that is. So here's a way to think about it. One is tongues, think about languages, or even how we speak to one another. How often do we miscommunicate even when we supposedly speak the same language, right? We've probably had that happen many times, whether that's with family, friends, in our homes, at work, at school, right? We've had miscommunication where we may be thinking we're speaking the same language, but we seem to be speaking past. So think about that in terms of tongues. And then prophecy. So often we jump right to, wait a minute, are we telling the future? What in the world's going on? But we can think of prophecy as being speaking truth, speaking love, speaking about the situation that we find ourselves in with a way forward. That it's meant to propel us 
forward. That's where we kind of get stuck in. Wait, are you telling the future? No, no, no. When we're real about, when we go, man, this situation is really hard and here are all the reasons why, here are the things we need to consider doing that we can then have a way forward in our life. So to remember those two things as we get into this discussion, because so often Paul feels very wordy. And sometimes we're like, wait a minute, what did he say? But if we keep those couple of things in mind, that he has first started with love, that now he's talking about this ability to speak the words that we use, the way that we speak into situations and move things forward is actually a gift. It's actually an ability. And he's going to talk about a little bit about how does that work. And so starting... In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 7 through 10. Likewise, things that aren't alive, like a harp or a lyre, can make a sound, but if there aren't different notes in the sounds they make, how will the tune from the harp or the lyre be recognized? If a trumpet call is unrecognizable, then who will prepare for battle? It's the same way with you. If you don't use language that is easy to understand when you speak in a tongue, then how will anyone understand what's said? It will be as if you are speaking into the air. There are probably many language families in the world, and none of them are without meaning. All right, so here, this example of instruments. Instruments make notes. They make all kinds of notes, right? But sometimes it's recognizable when a tune is played, and sometimes it's not. And then he goes into this weird kind of thing about if a trumpet call is unrecognizable, then who will prepare for battle? And we may be like, what, what are you talking about? He's referencing something that they would have understand because the Roman army at the time, they knew the way they were to move in battle based upon the trumpet call, based upon the way the trumpet was played. And then he goes into the words and the language and the tongues and, and how you're speaking and is it being misunderstood? That sense of so often, right? We use words that maybe we recognize, right? We know that word, but yet we still speak past. We still miscommunicate. We still don't get the meaning. And we can think of probably instances where maybe we were trying to convey a message and the person just, they weren't understanding us. There was a misunderstanding. Or we misunderstood someone else by what they said. And so here, Paul is like, okay, this happens. We struggle with this. And so how do we begin to think through this? Like, how do we begin to find meaning? And he says this, there are probably many language families in the world and none of them are without meaning. I'm going, okay, when this is happening and we can't figure out the meaning of it, that we kind of have to go, hold up, wait, I, I don't understand that when we are in conversation with one another, when there's confusion starting to swirl of being able to say, wait, hold up, I don't understand, help Help me. Give me some clarity. Can I have clarity about? Because this is the beginning of a way forward, right? When we can get clarity with one another, that thinking about a clarity, especially that is founded in love, 
that the very basis is love, right? Love is connected to God, right? God is love out of 1 John. And so to think about that, when we have clarity that is based upon love, we're beginning to connect ourselves, or even when we're attempting to get clarity, that it is that reach, that want for that connection with God. And so when we begin to miscommunicate, when we're like, I don't understand what's going on, why did you say that? How often do we automatically begin to dig in our heels and begin to kind of want to, wait a minute, that's not my point. I'm right, you're wrong. Or we shut down and we want nothing to do. But instead, here, Paul's offering the beginning of a way forward of saying, wait a minute, let's get some clarity. Let's ask that of one another. Can you help me to understand? And he's going he's gonna to continue on in the next couple of verses with that, in verses 11 through 12. So if I don't know the meaning of the language, then I will be like a foreigner to those who speak it, and they will be like foreigners to me. The same holds true for you. Since you are ambitious for spiritual gifts, use your ambition to try to work toward being the best at building up the church. That right there at the end, to work toward being the best at building up the church. That when confusion begins to set in, of being able to hit pause and go, wait a minute, I need help in understanding, of asking even that of the other person, of saying, well, hold up, of beginning to go, I need to use my words for building up. Because so often, right, if something's getting said, if something's really painful, that sometimes we, we get defensive, we throw up those walls, and our response back is not, help me to understand, but instead, well, here's what I meant, this is why, this is how dare you kind of things, right? We can feel how the energy shifts, though. The energy can shift when we go, wait, help me to understand. And so Paul is trying to help the Corinthians figure out a way forward, especially figuring out, because he's talked to them about these spiritual gifts. And so here's a gift, the way that we talk to to one another, that when God's love is at the basis and we start to begin to ask for clarity, it actually can shift the conversations we're having, even when we find them painful. Continuing on in verses 13 through 16. Therefore, those who speak in a tongue should pray to be able to interpret. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind isn't productive. What should I do? I'll pray in the spirit, but I'll pray with my mind too. I'll sing a psalm in the spirit, but I'll sing the psalm with my mind too. After all, if you praise God in the spirit, how will the people who aren't trained in that language say amen to your thanksgiving when they don't know what you are saying? All right. So here, it's like the next step. It's kind of going, all right, Paul's like, all right, confusion, and you're trying, and maybe you even go to, I think I need to pray about this. But it's not just we spout off some words but to be really focused in into this conversation with God. And when we are in conversation, when we are praying, when we are in conversation with God, we all of a sudden begin to open ourselves up to new ways of communicating, to new ways of thinking, to new ways, to new possibilities. And so here, here it's like, 
okay. It's not just, hey, God, this is so screwball-y. I can't stand this. How dare they say, or maybe even, you know what? Will you uh, smite that person? No. Here, let's communicate about, let's ask God for help with understanding of getting in and focusing. Okay, if, if this is meaningful, if this is something I need to get clarity on, help me, oh God, to get some clarity. What do I need to do to understand what's happening? What do I need to do to understand this moment? What do I need to do to understand my response? Because it's not just about the words that we say, and Paul's about to move us into this, but it's also about the actions that we take afterwards because prayer is connected to action. It's not just about saying a whole bunch of stuff or I need, I want, but instead it's to move us and shift us in the way that we communicate, in the way that we act in this world. It is meant to shift us in our relationships. So going to verses 17 through 20, here's where we move, prayer and act to action. You may offer a beautiful prayer of thanksgiving, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church, I'd rather speak five words in my right mind than speak thousands of words in a tongue so that I can teach others. Brothers and sisters, don't let me be like children in the way you think. Well, be babies when it comes to evil, but be adults in your thinking. All right. So here, you may offer a beautiful prayer of thanksgiving, but the other person is not being built up. So when we're praying, when we're communicating with God, when we're trying to figure this out, how do I get clarity? How, what, how can my response change? Paul's going, all right. Well, how are you building that person up with your words? How is the way that you're communicating attempting to build someone else up? Now, does it mean we can control how that person responds? Absolutely not. Just as people can't control how we respond to something. Now, we can help a situation right? Because if we start yelling at somebody, we shouldn't be surprised if they start yelling back. But here, Jesus is like, Take this moment of going, I need some clarity. There's miscommunication. I am praying, and God, give me strength. Give me a way forward. Help me to understand how to respond. And then he goes, check the words that you use in your response to how are they building someone else up. And this can get really difficult, right? especially when someone's hurt us, when someone has said something unkind, but to think through, okay, what will my response be? To be very intentional, to be very focused, what will my response be that is a reflection of what Paul is saying of encourage one another, that is a reflection of God's love, that is a reflection of how Jesus lived. Because Jesus was constantly trying to encourage others. He was trying to build others up. And there were times that people absolutely responded negatively with him. And yet he still tried. And so Paul is using that as a reminder. And then he goes on to say something kind of interesting here. 
But in the church, I'd rather speak five words in my right mind than speak thousands of words in a tongue so that I can teach others. Paul loved to teach. And we need good teachers. There is nothing wrong with teaching. We need people who love to teach. What he's saying is that, because they all know that he loves to teach. He loves to do that. But what he's saying here is even more important to him is that he encourage others, even if it's with fewer words. And so to think about that, of what is so important when we are speaking, when we are conversing, when we are in conversation, what is of such great importance when we ourselves have been hurt or pained by what's been said? Is what is important connected to God? Is what is important kind of swirling around protection of self? Is it that defensiveness? Is it reacting? Is it forceful? Is it dealing with power? What is it that is important to us when we are reacting to unkind, problematic, painful words? And where is this whole thing about encouraging and building up? How is love playing a factor in any of it? And so he's really trying to get the Corinthians to take a moment, to pause, to think through of, okay, how are we trying? What is that reaction? How are we responding in such a way? And then he goes on to say this, brothers and sisters, don't be like children in the way you think. Well, be babies when it comes to evil, but be adults in your thinking. Brothers and sisters, don't be like children in the way that you think. So often, and we know this, right? There's been TV shows about where kids just, you ask them a question and they respond in all kinds of ways because they, they don't know that what they're saying, they, they, don't, they don't really understand maybe what they're saying, right? And so we, maybe we even were like this as a kid where we told all the family secrets or we pointed out things about people that we thought, well, that's kind of curious, but it was really embarrassing or problematic because we didn't know. And so he's like, don't be like the kid who doesn't know what they're saying. You need to be very intentional with what you're saying. But then he says something really kind of odd. He goes into this, well, be babies when it comes to evil, but be adults in your thinking. He's like, okay, but I don't want you to be intentionally evil. Like, I don't want you to be cultivating that. And we've talked about that word evil before and what is that exactly and how it, when we hold on to something so tightly, when we idolize, make an idol of something, that when we do that and we are willing to destroy other people's lives, our own lives, because we're holding on to something so tight, it could be a thing, it could be... It, it could be a thought, it could be a belief, it could be a relationship, that when we hold on to something so tightly that it can destroy everything, that that cultivates evil. And so we may be thinking, okay, like, that's, that's not my issue. And that's great <laughs> that that's not your issue. So for us, maybe where we're going, mm, yeah, no, not really my thing, not what I struggle with, but instead being able to understand for us, maybe Paul is encouraging 
and trying to get us to think through how are our words being well thought out? How deliberate are we in the way that we are communicating? And is that connected? What is the importance of that? And what is it that, you know, how are we building one another up? If that's the basis, then amazing things can begin to happen. Then maybe instead of being stuck in just how painful what was said, that we stay there, we begin to find a way forward. And here's where he gets further into that with verses 21 through 24. In the law, it is written, I will speak to this people with foreign languages and foreigners' lips, but they will not even listen to me this way, says the Lord. So then tongues are a sign for those who don't believe, not for those who believe, but prophecy is a sign for believers, not for those who don't believe. So suppose that the whole church is meeting and everyone is speaking in tongues. If people come in who are outsiders or unbelievers, won't they say that you are out of your minds? But if everyone is prophesying, when an unbeliever or outsider comes in, they are tested by all and called to account by all. So this very beginning where he's quoting the law, he's actually quoting Isaiah 28, 11. I will speak to this people with foreign languages and foreigners' lips, but they will not even listen to me this way. For the conversation today, though, we need to know what verse 12 says. And verse 12 of Isaiah 28, it says, He said to them, this is the place of rest. Give rest to the weary. This is the place of repose. But they refused to listen. So if we're like becoming aware, if we're going, wait a minute, I need to be very aware of how I'm communicating, just like he was saying, right? Be adults in your thinking. If we're becoming aware then how is what we say, how are our words, the language that we use in the moment, directing us towards God's rest? Because even here, right, Isaiah 28 is like, well, God offers rest, but they refuse. They refuse to listen. And so for our own words, when we're responding when things are painful, when situations are really difficult, when maybe we don't even know what to say, of going, okay, how can my words, how can my response be pointing towards God's rest, be pointing towards peace? Because that's what most of us want, right? Most of us want a joyful, peaceful life. And so how, are, how is my response, right, when things are painful, how is our response one of peace in those very difficult, painful moments? And then he goes on to say this, because it's like a sense of, okay, if this is the way that you're speaking, right, if people come in who are outsiders or unbelievers, won't they say that you are out of your minds? Like, it's like everybody's talking this way. Wait a minute, are you talking about peace and joy? Are you listening to each other? And he goes on, but if everyone is prophesying when an unbeliever or outsider comes in, they are tested by all and called to account by all. Imagine it this way. Somebody comes in 
and everybody, yourself and others around you are all talking about a way forward, right? That whole thing with prophecy, speaking into the moment about a way forward that is connected to God, that is connected to God's love, of recognizing the division in this world and going, wait a minute, there is a way forward. Recognizing the, the problems of this world, the very difficulties whether of homelessness, of hunger, of war, and saying, wait a minute, I think that there's a way forward. Of saying, wait a minute, there is a way forward in peace. Imagine being able to articulate a way forward, a new way of living that is connected to God, and everybody's excited, and everybody's like, we are going to live it. And there is this sense of are tested by all and called to account by all. Like, if that's happening, there is going to be a sense of, okay, if you're talking it, are you living it? And we may be going, okay, now that's really kind of scary and hard. And it's important for us to know here a little bit about the Corinthians. The Corinthians could be arrogant. And so Paul is trying to challenge them in their arrogance because they kind of think they got it all together. They know the words that they need to use and they've got this whole speaking truth and providing a way forward to everybody that's around them. Like they've got it all figured out. And Paul's like, do you? Because if you do, then there's going to be some accountability in that. And we may be going, I don't have any of it figured out. In fact, I struggle with what to say. I really struggle when things are said, when things are painful, how not to respond in the same way. I really struggle with the way that I communicate. I struggle with miscommunication every single day. So you may be going, not my, that's, ooh, man, Paul, that's not my issue. We recognize that there are others who do have that issue, but that may not be ours. And so what can we take from it if that's not our issue? If we're like, uh, that's the Corinthians issue, not mine. Paul is saying here, he's trying to get the Corinthians to go, hey, wait a minute, you still need God. You still need God's grace. You still need God's help and God's guidance. Because when we think we have it all figured out, all of a sudden God's guidance doesn't matter. It's like, oh, nope, I got it. And so for those of us who are like, don't have it figured out, He's like, it's okay. It's really okay. Because we are to rely upon God's guidance. We are to go to those stories of Jesus' life and go, wait a minute, how is Jesus teaching us to live? How can we live and be in new ways? How can we find that peaceful, joyful life? How can we deal with the pain of this world that doesn't seem to go away? And so... Paul for, is offering comfort for those of us because we experience God. We get to experience God even in the struggle, even when we don't know what to say in the words that are painful, even when we don't know what to say or we've said the wrong thing, that it's an opportunity for God's guidance, for God's help, for God to direct us and mold us and shape us for the Holy Spirit to strengthen us on this journey. And so for us today, as those who probably don't think that we have it all figured out, 
as those who struggle with what to say or how to respond when there are painful things that are said? How will we begin to listen? What will be our prayer and communication with God? How will we hit those pause buttons and go, wait a minute, help me to understand in the moment. Help me to be encouraging in my response. Help me to take a step back, oh God. How will we be challenged and comforted by what Paul is saying today? How will we find a way forward that says, yep, that hurt, that was painful, but my response will be one of clarity in God's love, will be in a sense of trying to build one another up instead of tear each other apart. How will we be challenged and comforted by the words of Paul today? Amen. Mm-hmm.